If you would be turning to Matthew 28 and also Acts chapter 2. We have two passages that we want to read this morning. Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 2. Matthew 28, starting with verse 16. The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped. But some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Then if you would turn back to Acts chapter 2. We'll follow the church, starting in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all. As any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. A couple of quick things um, before we jump into our message this morning from these two texts. Um, We are starting our programming again um, this Wednesday, and so from the little bitties all the way up, uh, we're going to be meeting throughout this place, doing what I'm going to be talking about this morning, uh, context in which with relationships, uh, in in fellowship, and then in study, uh, making disciples, having people grow in their understanding of obedience to Jesus Christ. Um, and so that starts this Wednesday, and so I want to encourage you to be a part of that, specifically in the adult classroom, which is at the end of this hall. Um, we are going to be answering this particular question, which, which I think we get quite a bit as ministers. Whenever the story about the road to Emmaus, this is a famous road where Jesus, after the resurrection, is walking, and he is sharing with two disciples, and they don't recognize who he is. And he goes back and he shares with them the reality of who he is from the Old Testament. We always get this question. What was he talking about there? Luke doesn't describe the specific things, but people have that. I've always had a very interested question. How do I look into the pages of Genesis to Malachi, the Old Testament, and describe who Jesus is and what he was about? Um, Jesus didn't have the New Testament, right? He was literally... Um, creating it as his ministry was happening. Um, The Apostle Paul didn't even have. He had a number of stories of the Gospels, but in the end, when the Apostle Paul would be in the synagogue and demonstrating who Jesus Christ is and proving who Christ was, um, he had these books from Genesis to uh, Malachi. And so we are going to answer some of these questions. How does the New Testament use the Old Testament? How should we read Messianic prophecies? Um, And to try to answer some of those questions. And again, our purpose is to spend some very intentional time devoted to growing, not just thinking, but growing in our understanding of and obedience to Jesus. That's always our purpose. Growing in our understanding of and then therefore obedience. If this is who Jesus is, how, how does Monday change? Here's who Jesus is. Oh, so that's how I talk to my wife. This is who Jesus is. Oh, that's how I drive in Stillwater, Oklahoma, whatever it might be, right? Um, There is a a genuine response to who he is. So that's what we are about. I want to encourage you to to join us. If you are going to be dropping off kiddos and you would like an hour to study, 6.30 to 7.30, it's in the room at the end of this hall. Um, If you are not dropping off kiddos and you would like to spend an hour dedicated um, to a more in-depth study, we would love for you to join us um, for our study called Emmaus. Um, The next thing is, is that uh, this morning we're going to be having a kind of a vision sermon for 2024. Um, And then next week we're going to jump right into another Bible book. Uh, and uh, it's the book of Philippians. So I don't know if you know how well you know that book. This is a book 
that I never really loved when I was younger, and I never even really loved it all the way through college. And then in seminary, I actually took a Philippians class that was one of the most transformative times in my, in my studies. And so I really fell in love with it. And we've, we, we taught it not that many, many years ago, but we just think it's a, it's a timely book. It's a, it's a good, very important four chapters. But can I just remind us that our goal is to not to get through the book, but to position ourselves in such a way that the book, these words of God, would then get through us, right? This is the transformation process that we're talking about. When I travel, I love to eat lots of garlic. And then I show up at home and my wife goes, why did you do that? Why? Why do you eat like that? And I'm just like, because I knew I wasn't going to see you for a couple of days. Seriously? This was Wednesday? Because it's Friday. And I'm like, yeah, it was a lot of garlic. So it just comes out of my skin, I guess, right? So here's my prayer. Is that somehow by the time we're done Philippians, I can dream, right? Somebody were to say to, uh, to you, have you been reading Philippians? <laughs> like you, you, you seem to be living in a different way. You seem to be, like these are some of the things from chapter one, um, that you would, might live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. Not worthy so you get it, right? It's not jump up and achieve it, but we live from it, living a life worthy of the gospel, or that you would consider others as better and more, not better, more important than yourselves, and therefore you would put their interest above your own. How about that? How about this one? I think Ryan talked about this a little bit last week. I still haven't heard the message. I'm looking forward to it. Be anxious in nothing. Be anxious in nothing. I know what you're thinking. You're just kind of, I get it, right? I kind of want to blow that one off too. Obviously, Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't get it. Or else maybe he does. And maybe he's not just saying that glibly. Maybe he knows something. So we're really hoping that by the time we're done this, we are a more sacrificing, community-involved, engaged, peaceful people. Wouldn't that be be amazing? That is our goal. So we're going to be starting that next week. Um, But for today... We're going to be doing something that I've been doing now. Uh, Andrea and I came here in, in, this, in the summer of 2003, and so in 2004, um, I started doing these vision messages for the very first Sunday in January. Uh, it's not quite a, like a state of the church, hey, here's our attendance for, and we studied these books. It's, it's not that. It's more of a reminder of our, of our mission, which is kind of where we get our vision in terms of who we are and what we are about and I'll be honest with you, every time I prepare this message, I just get this, this um, a bit of anxiousness, I guess, in me that, that begins to go, wow, I've, I've said this before. It seems like we talk about this all the time. Like, okay, I'll do it again. And, and maybe that's good. Like, maybe it's good for us to be reminded of these things. So, in a way, what I want to share with you this morning, nothing is new. And I apologize if I say anything new because I'm really not trying to. But to remind of the old, there's a great line in Jeremiah that we would be reminded of the old paths um, because they are trustworthy and true. And maybe by doing that, we will be able to realign ourselves individually and corporately with what does it mean to be a church? What, What is that actually about? Because if we don't spend a moment and maybe many moments asking, thinking, reflecting, um, recommitting our lives then all of a sudden we, we, can, we, can, we can drift from what things were about. When I, when I do premarital with a young couple and they are so excited and they can only imagine an amazing marriage, I always begin by, tell me about your mom and dad's marriage. Tell me about that. And so they talk about it. And, and most of them aren't necessarily overly negative, but they're honest. Tell me about your mom and dad's marriage. And, and I'm not asking them to be critical, but to be evaluative, Right? And so they describe all the mess, right? My boys would do the same. My dad does this, my mom does this, good and bad. And I look look at them and I go, when they were about to get married, what do you think they thought? Do you think they thought this? No, no. So how did they get there? Drift. They, They forgot. My wife doesn't spend as much time getting ready as she did on her wedding day. Thanks be unto God. (laughs) Seriously, I don't need her to. 
Can you imagine if I was the kind of guy that needed her to? Hey, where's the dress? Come on. There's something wrong with me. So it's not that. Well, it might not be a bad idea for 2024 to kind of pull out the vows and go, maybe we need to look at these. Might not be a bad idea to try to go back and go, huh. Like, I know Matthew turned 30s this year, but maybe I still have some responsibilities as a dad. Right? Like, I know I've been, I, I, I live in this amazing cul-de-sac with so many godly people. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll just confess it. I'm glad Andrew's not here. Every Christmas, they, people bring by things. And every time they do, I'm just mad because I have nothing for them. <laughs> it's been five years and I still haven't delivered cookies. Well, and it's because I'm busy. It's, do you know how busy I am? No, it's not. Maybe it's good to look at our neighborhoods and go, hmm, why am I here? It's good to look at your job. Why am I here? And not in the kind of a, I think I'm gonna leave, but a reminder of why I'm here. If not, things shift, they drift to show you how much. This is a mission statement, a real mission statement. Everyone shall consider as the main end of his life and studies to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. That is a mission statement of an organization. They may want to take a guess of what organization has that, sorry, had that as their mission statement. Harvard University. I bet that's not what you've been thinking the last few weeks. Hear me, I'm not even, hear me, I'm not trying to take some weird shot at Harvard. I'm going, if I had to guess right now what you were all about from at the very beginning, I wouldn't have, I would not have been able to come up with that. And I would even say this, hear me, it's even okay for certain organizations to drift, to find a new purpose. I don't know if that, that's even bad. It's not like, how dare they? Well, I mean, honestly, they're a university. It's not the end of the world if they do that. So different organizations losing their understanding, their mission, have different consequences. If that was the church, and they shifted. That's not good. I even know how they got there. And it's, by the way, they didn't get there in 1969. You know, my kind of reoccurring theme. It wasn't like Berkeley that caused Harvard to stray. Now, Harvard probably helped Berkeley get there. Yale came out not long after this. So Harvard was established in 1636. 1642, they write this uh, as, their, as their mission statement. Uh, an institution was started not long after that that saw Harvard erring from their ways and they said, well, we're gonna go back and we're going to do that. Yale. Really? <laughs> and, and then Yale began, and so, get you, I mean, this is not a... Princeton, this is how it happened. And, and they all think, we're going to be different, right? That's what you thought when you'd get married. We're going to be different. 20 years later, you're more like your parents than you thought. Let's not get weary from this fact. I'm not, I'm not, let's not get despondent. Let's not get frustrated and angry. Let's become resolved. To go back and say, may we use this time to redevote, to rededicate ourselves towards what we really are about. So again, it's called mission drift. What is mission drift? Here's like the more of the, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's being written about this. Um, because of organizations, I don't know if you know this, but the, um, the YMCA, which is now just the Y. It's, it's dropped all the other acronyms because it's not a Christian men's association. It was actually began as like Bible studies in London and over their, the very beginning of their, um, uh, of their charter, they, they raised and sent out 20,000 missionaries 
How many of you, when you think of the why, think of missionaries? Oh, basketball? Yeah, me too. Swimming? Yep, me too. So this, this, is, this is mission drift. It occurs when an organization's resources and activities are diverted from its formal goals. The former, this is what we want to do, and it's written down, and there are whole strategies and objectives and analysis and ongoing evaluation and, and, then, and then realignment. All of that stuff happens, and, and yet, over time, society changes and circumstances change, and even the resources that we have change, and they begin to think, you know, what? I think what we should be doing is, and, and, and it just happens. I'm a, I'm a board member of a, of a college, the college where I used to teach, and just a few years ago, we sat down as a board and we read a book called Mission Drift. And we were reminded, it is our responsibility as board members here to make sure that this college does not stray from its mission. And it doesn't mean our mission is better than every other mission. It doesn't mean that all other missions are wrong. It just means this is our mission. And I remember this being kind of given to me. If we don't do this, who will? And not like, we're the only ones doing it. But if we don't do this, who will? Who will step up and do this? And so Ozark Christian College is a school that is dedicated to training up men and women for Christian service for the kingdom. That's what we're an undergraduate, now a graduate school, focused on training up men and women for Christian service. That's what we're, we're by the way, we're not against Missouri Southern State University. We have partnerships with them. And so they do this, but then what we are is we are an organization, an undergraduate organization that trains up men and women for Christian service in the kingdom. That's what we do. That's what we do. And I began to think, and this was the challenge, is if we don't do this, who will? If we decide to take on other great missions, if we decide to add an English department, nothing wrong with English. I use it sometimes. Nothing wrong with engineering. I'm grateful for our engineers. If we start adding all these other things, good things. I don't know. Can you imagine living in a university town? What if, will, will OSU pick up where we let go? We need somebody else to teach youth ministry. Will Missouri Southern State University go, we'll pick up that charge? I'm not even saying they should. Do you see what happens? Here's what I want you to think. In all of the places, Right, Because this has an effect on all of our lives. If you're not going to be the husband in your home, who is? If you're not going to be the wife in your home, the mother in your home, the father in your home, the responsible child in your home, if you're not going to be the one in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ leading your team, managing, serving, following, living, neighboring, driving, who is? And as a church... We've got a responsibility. So what's our mission? www.sunnybrookcc.org. Here's it is. Our mission. First of all, we got a preamble. Love it. We're convinced that we are meant to live for something more than ourselves. Lasting fulfillment comes from connecting to a purpose that is deeper and bigger than power or position or possession. And Jesus laid it out for his followers. Here it is. Glorify God by making disciples. Now do you see why I just feel like, wow, 20 years of just that? Tell me there's more. Nope. Now hear me, there's more implications. There are so many things that come from that. But that's it. To glorify God by making disciples. That's why we're here, that's our mission. And it's bigger than anything else we know. And if that sounds, I love this line, and if that sounds right to you, then this might be a great place for you to land. By the way, we're having a membership 101 class in a couple of weeks, that's, that's real by the way. <laughs> that's our mission, is to glorify God. And, and, and hear me, I wanna say that kind of slowly so it doesn't just be glorify God. To glorify him. To, um, to, to glory in is to respond appropriately to. And it's done in song, it's, it's done in obedience, 
It's done by serving others. Like all of these things, that's why the Bible can teach us that in everything that you do, do to the glory of God. It becomes this all-encompassing thing. And it's, it's, that doesn't mean, oh, it's everything. It, it means, no, stop, it's everything. And we do that by making disciples. Well, what is that? Is that a Bible study? Sure. But it's also like um, breakfast at my home. And now there's just two of us. Like, in a way, I want to be careful because I don't like saying if it, because if it's everything, it can be nothing in a sense. It's not that kind of everything. It's just the implications affect everything. All of our relationships, all of our perspective as we look out into a very broken world. It, it shapes how I view the news. And it probably answers some of the questions why the Apostle Paul can say, not glibly, do not be anxious about anything. Huh. So this is our mission. And I, I want to just share with you just some reminders of this year. Um, and, and I want to kind of end with um, a prayer. Or we're going to end with it. We're going to then have communion because that's kind of the, the ceiling of all of this. But we're going to walk through some ideas about this mission, um, unpack it a little bit um, to, to kind of recenter us, if that's okay. If I can just have the next few minutes with us, that's, that's my goal. And so here's what it looks like. First of all, our mission. Can I describe our mission to us? That's what it is to glorify God by making disciples. And by the way, our mission is set for us which means it's not open for debate. It's set for us. It was something that was given to us. Have you had a call recently where you're trying to get some help with something that you're, something that you're subscribed to or a service that you have? And please stay on the lines because we would love for you to fill out a survey. At the, have, you, have anybody, is, am I the only one? Are you getting these two? And I, I, I don't do them anymore. And, and I, don't know if, I don't know if you have this, but can I tell you what I have? I'm not, I, I, I say this into the phone, nobody's listening, but I say, I'm not gonna do the survey because you're never listening. I'm not gonna do the survey because it's not gonna make a difference. And I won't say who it is because it rhymes with A-T-N-T. Okay? But there, you know, there, I have another one kind of rhymes with American Airlines, right? I mean, this is, you'll never figure out who it is. I mask these things well. Um, and again, I'm not trying to dog them. I'm not trying to, it's like, I get it somehow I'd love to be in a corporate meeting like you ask for the information and I get, I'm not asking them to totally change everything for me I just can't believe I'm the only one am I the only one? no I need help here am I the only one? thank you thank, that, that's almost an amen moment by the way but I'm not the only one and, and I'm, I'm giving up because I don't know if it's going anywhere does that make sense? Which, by the way, then means that we, get, we kind of get fed into this idea that my opinion matters, my opinion matters. And some of the, I, when I was a professor, some of the, my students' favorite time was to offer an evaluation. I'm here to offer an evaluation. I want to offer an evaluation because my opinion matters and my thoughts matter. And I find this to be absolutely fascinating. Jesus doesn't say to his disciples, hey guys, you've been in the world for a long time. What do you think we should do? You guys know of some needs in the world. Any of you guys been to Capernaum lately? What should we be doing here? Anybody know of a problem that we could fix? Come on, guys. I got the whiteboard up. What do you want to do? What do you think we should do? At no time does Jesus do that. And it's not because he's bossy. It's not just because he knows everything, but he is clear on his purpose. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Bartholomew, yeah, but I, I'll tell you, can I just, I, I saw something the other day, Jesus. This happens a lot, actually. The disciples regularly go, hey, Jesus, what about? And Jesus reorients himself and them. Yeah, no, but this is why I came. Yeah, but this is why I came. That, that, takes, that takes strength. That takes courage. Because it's not like he didn't see needs. It's not like other things weren't important, like English and engineering. But this is why I've come. This is, but this is why we're here. Like, there's nothing wrong with working at OSU or Richmond School. I'm so grateful for all of us that do. I'm, I'm so grateful for the many places in which we do. I think that's great. 
Man, do it for the glory of God. Let's do it together, right? Let's all do it together. But our mission is what? Individually and corporately. Our mission is what? To glorify God and to make disciples. And it's set. And Jesus doesn't have an evaluation sheet to his disciples. And I'm glad he doesn't. It'd make me think he didn't know what he was doing. It would really make me question, why, why are you asking me what we're supposed to be doing? I, you, you said that I'm supposed to come follow you. Why am I the one leading? I hope you find comfort and strength in the Lord's setness. Like in the Lord and how he speaks. And he doesn't solicit suggestions. I, I know that that rubs a lot of us, doesn't it? You know what I would do if I was God? You know what I would do if I was Jesus? Those are our frustrations and even our disappointments. May we use those times to to reset ourselves. And so when when I came here 20 years ago, I I, I remember even, okay, what are we gonna, what kind of church are we gonna be and what is it gonna do? And then the more that I began to think about it and was surrounded by a bunch of elders and a bunch of staff that said, yeah, we're not trying to reinvent anything here. And not that it doesn't take on different expressions and new ministries and new opportunities and new revelations about ourselves and how we accomplish what? The glory of God by the making of disciples. That's what it is. That's what reorient. It is set. The second thing that it is, and I love this, it's clear. I think it's really, really clear. That is why we see in Acts 2, is a result of Matthew 28. Matthew 28, go and make disciples. Okay, they go. And as they're making disciples, they know what to do. So when we jump into Acts 2, what do we actually see? We see the disciples knowing what to do. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. They devoted themselves to prayer. They knew what to do because the mission was clear. It wasn't like, what are we doing? What do you want to do? What do we want to do? And it's not that. It's like we know what it is. This is who we are. This is what we're about. And I think that's why it's, it's good for us to realize, like, our mission isn't to be more loving. Can I say that? That's not our mission. Loving is who we are. It's not what we do. It's who we are in light of the gospel, in light of the forgiveness of God and the kindness of God and his kindness leads us to repentance and his repentance transforms us and that transformation leads us to look at the world in a completely new way. That's how. It's how we look at one another. It's how we look at the lost. It's how we look at our world. It's not what. Our what is already clear. We we make disciples. We help people understand to the best of our ability as we tell our own story and Jesus' story, mostly Jesus' story. We love to tell our own stories, but Jesus' story is actually more important than our own stories. And then we remind them of what God has done in Jesus and also in us. And that's what it is. And every time that we want to go, yeah, but what about, right? I, I guarantee you there are so many in this room right now that are going, yeah, but what about? Me too. That can be drift. If we start getting the what about, and that redirects the why. And, and that is why I would say that if we want to be more loving, then we need to be better disciples. If we want to be more relevant, and that's a complicated term, because sometimes relevancy is just losing, I would argue, losing touch with who we really are in Jesus Christ. Not always, but sometimes it is. Relevancy can be losing touch with the eternal because we're so connected to the temporal, to the, to the timely, to the now. How many of you noticed that just in the last few years with the, all the problems that were happening societally, people began to lose touch in their desires to fix a problem that was happening? 
Do you know what's at stake? I mean, I, I, had, I literally did. I had people asking questions about who we are and what we're about. And do you remember that week in March? Not having church Sunday. What do you mean not having church Sunday? Is it going to snow? No, no, no. It's not Canada. It's March. It's Oklahoma. We're just not having church. Yeah, but we'll have it by, by Easter, right? Nope. What's Zoom? Oh, this is cool. Hey, Vince. How's things in Vegas? Hey, Rusty, how are things in California? Hey, Isaac, how are things in Wichita? Having all of these conversations, and, and, and we're just wondering, I wonder if we're going to make it through. So just real quick question, what lasted, the church or COVID? By the way, not that it wouldn't be good to have some times of reevaluation. I, I just remember getting so many things wrong. Anybody else? That's why we've got to be careful throwing stones. I was wrong too. I overreacted. I underreacted. I just did a terrible job reacting. So in our temptation to be relevant, sometimes we can miss it. And that's why it's good to be reminded Jesus' mission that he gave to his church and that the disciples we see in the book of Acts, it's clear. It's also big. Like it's big. And it's big at the small level and it's big at the big level. It's big at the small level. So when I'm sharing the gospel with someone and this is, this is, this is what it looks like. This is a relationship that you need to have in Jesus Christ. You need peace with God. Your sin has separated you from God and I, I share that with them. But because of what Jesus Christ has done, you can now have peace with God by accepting by faith his sacrifice for your sin. Have you heard the story? And then we get to the point where I say, what is keeping you from right now accepting this free gift that God has for you and experience this peace with Jesus? And I just, after I explain it, I just go, the only answer's gotta be, sign me up. But I can tell by their eyes something else is happening. What is it? And they don't always say it, but I begin to find out later on, it's, it's not just that they're struggling with letting go or struggling with a, an, an addiction or a price. Not, it's not always those things. Sometimes it's, I just can't imagine the kind of transformation of what you're describing is gonna be in my life. I don't know how to be married to my wife in that life or husband. I don't know how I can go home to my parents with what you're describing. I have no idea what the implications of life are gonna mean for my job, which I use to provide for my family. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, what you're asking is so big. And, and by the way, tell me it is. Don't just dilute the transformation that happens. Do you see how big the mission is? Making disciple is not a Sunday school class. It is a radical reorientation of every one of our lives including a constant and deepening re-engagement with the goodness of God through the gospel of Jesus in my life. And I've been following him for a long time. And it's still intrusive and demand, it's big. Not to mention me looking at a young man who's from Saudi Arabia and me asking him, what's keeping you from accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Saudi Arabia? Everyone in my family? By the way, that doesn't just excuse him from the responsibility of that decision. So I can't just go run and hide from it. I can't just treat it glibly. Do you realize how big our mission is? And how demanding it is? I mean, you've heard me talk about Uri, my friend from Israel. When I pray for him, I'm aware of the bigness of this. And it's what we're doing in the treehouse in an elevate with little bitties. Wednesday night in the gym with ninth graders and tenth graders, and it's happening at the table on Thursdays. It's big. And then sometimes you're just standing by, I don't even know the name of the river and you're in Ghana, but you're looking across to Togo, and you're just seeing people just take supplies across, and you're just going, I just can't believe I'm in Africa. 
And then you walk back to a church that we just have recently helped build. We can only help build it. We can't build it, but we can help build it. And we look, and there's a plaque there, by the way, that has our name on it, Sunnybrook Christian Church. And the people of Garu are going to come there, and as, as we were worshiping there, I'm just going, this is big. This is big. But instead of us, well, how do we fix Ghana? How do we fix Togo? How do we fix, I mean, we couldn't even get across the river. How do we fix these? That's, 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 that's not our mission. But our mission is to come alongside and to be a part of all of those things. Do we understand that? Our mission is big, but there's, there's the beauty of it. It's, it's so big and so transformative that we can almost want to shrink back. I don't know how to share the gospel. We can almost shrink back. This problem looks too big for me. But to remember that our mission is God's. It's God's mission. And, and therefore, there is this, as I've been praying for us, for, for this, for, for today and for the year, I, I pray that we feel the burden and then remember it's God's. That's why, if you've noticed in the last few years, I've been saying a lot, and I want to underline it here, may we never become frustrated or angry by the brokenness of the world. I don't, I don't think that's a Christian response. I know that we've got this righteous indignation speech, but I'm reminded that our anger does not bring about God's righteousness. So I think it is right for us to feel the burden, to weep and to, to sacrifice and to become more engaged and to repent where we have fallen short. Like all of that is part of the process. But it seems like when I get overly concerned, when I become like the, well, what about, and I'm in a staff meeting, well, we gotta make a difference, and Scott, you've got to, and Alec, would you please, and I'm in an elders meeting, well, you don't understand, and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, whose is this? This is us, do you not understand? This is us, for such a time as this. And I get into like these kind of fiddler on the roof, Schindler's List moments, you know? Do you understand what's happening? And it's everything from earthquakes in Haiti. Do you remember that one? And do you remember like a hurricane in New Orleans? And what are we gonna do? And there was a tornado in Joplin. What are we gonna do? And the answer is what a group of about 1,200 people can do from Stillwater, Oklahoma, who by the way are empowered by the Spirit, given a conviction of actually something that we need to do. And last I checked, Haiti still needs help. New Orleans isn't fixed. I know it's close, but it's not fixed. Joplin still needs us in some respect. Stillwater needs us bad. Are you overwhelmed with everything that's happening in Stillwater? Honestly, you shouldn't be. Yeah, that's, it's that kind of, ap it's not apathy. It's recognizing who's ultimately responsible. And I would argue that a lot of even our anxiousness that we have is because we're owning problems that are not ours to solve. And by the way, if at any moment you would like me to come in and redirect your life, I am available. <laughs> Seriously, I can do it. I can do it. Hmm. No, that's not what the plan is. And so the mission is God's. And that's how I can stand in other parts of the world looking at the almost, like a war in the Ukraine and I'm on the border. Right, Alec, you've been there. What do we do? I don't know. I think we're gonna go back to the camp and sort clothes. And then we're gonna go to sleep. You wanna know why? Because it's not our war to solve. Are you okay with that? If you're not, what are you gonna do? Think about it. And therefore, can I just say to us, I'm not trying to remove the burden. I'm trying to rightly place it on our shoulders. Do you believe God would give us something that we could not do? Do you believe God would give us a task or responsibility that we could not do? No. No. It's why he gave me a wife as awesome as I have, because he knew I couldn't manage complicated. That's how he operates. 
You know, you know, we don't have to fix Stillwater. And you know, we have brothers and sisters in many other churches in this town that are doing the same thing we're doing. Let's pray for them. And you do know that at the beginning of next year, every problem that exists this year hopefully has been helped in some way and will probably still exist. And do not become frustrated or angry or weary in doing good. That's what the Bible teaches. But let us do so more and more until as we see the day approaching. The, the mission is God's, but then the mission is ours. But it's always his first, but then it's also ours. Can I, can I say this? This is where I want to challenge you. This is where I want to challenge us. That as we talk about churches in Garu, or as we talk about our daily bread here in Stillwater, as we talk about um, the, the, the little biddies over there that need teachers to come along and care for them, as we talk about um, building two more houses that we're going to give somebody in, here in Stillwater, as we're talking about ministries that are happening in the jails and all the, as we're, as we're talking about these things, and they are definitely implications and offshoots of our ministry, it's what disciples just do. It's us going out into the world and making disciples. It's who we are. Is it you? In your marriage, are you looking at the mission of God by glorifying him and making a disciple? Yeah, that's your wife. That's your husband. Those are your parents. Those are your children, your grandchildren. Those are your neighbors. Those are your coworkers. That's your boss. That's the guy who was here at work before you. That was the, the woman that served you at Ross. That's all of these things. That's our mission. This isn't something that a few elders and ministers do. October's always a weird time of month, right? Because it's like Minister Appreciation Month. And it's always just weird. Because it's almost like, hey, thank you so much. <laughs> And here we love the appreciation, but I think as ministers we say, it's just weird. And I, and I honestly think as a church we get this. I really do. I think we get this. Like this is our ministry. This isn't, you know, well, we, we pay you guys to do it or, you know, certain people volunteer to do it. My dad would always ask me this question. If everybody like you did, if everybody gave like you gave, would, would, it, would, would, would the church be able to function? If everybody gave like you, if everybody served like you at the church, Jim, how would the church be? If everybody like you, it's a good question. It's a good question. That is how we, we know that we're not just consumers and we're not just takers. We're not just, we're not just observers, but we're actively engaged in the mission. It's, it's God's mission, hear me. But it, there was an invitation for you to be a part of it. And in 2024, may, may we together embrace the beautiful burden of glorifying God by making disciples and then being disciples everywhere that we are. Recently, we were in Mexico with our oldest son, Matthew, and his wife, Paula, and, uh, you know, it's vacation in Mexico, so <laughs> wake up on Saturday, what are we going to be doing today? And Matthew said, well, we have to take food to the refugees. Are you serious? I'm on vacation. What after that? Well, we got to get ready because tonight we're going to the orphanage and we're cooking hot dogs. I am so telling Jill that I am not taking this as a vacation day. Okay, what are we doing in between? Matthew said, <laughs> well, Paul and I volunteered to clean the church, so we're mopping floors. And I was reminded, because it was really kind of a fun day. I didn't do any of those things because I was a pastor. I did all of those things because I was a Christian. Right? This mission is ours. Side by side, let us glorify God. I'm grateful for the elders of this church that lead us. I'm grateful for the staff of this church. I, I look out and I just see so many faces that have impacted my children's lives. So many relationships when my kids were making stupid choices and Drew Henderson helped save them and Paul Weiss stepped in and Ryan Bennett. Wow, I'm just so grateful that we did this together. The mission is ours. Lastly, I believe the mission is enough. 
I, I didn't have this when I first wrote this message. I didn't have this word. I kind of left it at ours and then, you know, kind of, ta-da. But can I tell you what I've been praying about a lot? I want to invite you in. Praying about a lot. There is, even in church, so in our, in our lives individually and then our lives corporately, there is a, a nagging, oh, but there's got to be more. Right? And I have it, by the way. I'm, a, I'm definitely a more guy. I always want to do more, think more, be more. I, mean, that's, I, I, think, I think that's the only way to be Christian, is to just add the word more to everything. Read my Bible more, go on more mission trips, give more, sacrifice more. Right? What's more? More is always the answer. No, actually, one of the most biblical answers is enough. Harvard chose more, and they were redirected for their mission, and I'm not critiquing them. I'm not their judge. I'll let the Lord be their judge. But for the church, I'm, I'm telling you, I believe I can say this, and if not, the elders will let me know, and my staff will let me know this afternoon. Like, our mission is enough for us. And it doesn't mean the implications don't become more and more interesting and creative and even demanding and taxing. It means that it always comes back to this very strong and square root. It is about glorifying God by making disciples, and that is enough for us. Because the question that we ask all the time is, okay, so if we stop doing this and we just start doing X, does anybody know if the Stillwater Public School System will pick up? Glorifying God and making disciples, I'm not critiquing them. I'm not. Is Walmart going to pick it up? How many of you walk into Walmart? I'm here to glorify God and to make disciples with you. No, it's I want milk cheap. Who's going to pick it up? It's been given to us. And therefore, the way in which we operate, by engaging it, is going, this is enough for me. This is enough for me. And now I'm going to look at the places in which I live, the woman that I am married to, the children that I still have a responsibility to, and, and they keep adding more. And so that's happening. And I've got a neighborhood. I've got to start taking cookies to people. And I've got to go to our daily bread more. Right? So there, there'll be a more, but there's a more because there's enough. I think I can say, on behalf of the elders, on behalf of half of the staff, we're in a really good place. And dare I say it, there is a contentment in us. Not because we're near the end of the mission. No, we, we get the individual burden. But we know who we are and we know what we're about. We are about. And we're looking forward to 2024, are we not? Because why? Because the mission of God is enough for us. So here's our prayer. Our prayer is this. Number one, God, capture my or our hearts and minds with your mission. I want to encourage you to, to pray this prayer this year. God, capture, capture my heart and my mind with your mission and help me see every aspect of my life God, strengthen me, strengthen us for your mission so that we will not grow weary of doing good. We will not go, oh, seriously, one more offering? Oh, seriously, one more house? Oh, seriously, one more family? No, God, give me the strength that I will never, ever, ever become frustrated, angry, or quit. Give us your strength. Number three, this is, this is the new one for me because I'm not a satisfied person. I'm trying. God, satisfy me. Satisfy us in the purpose of your mission. Satisfy me by being a faithful husband, father, grandfather, friend, coworker, neighbor, Walmart shopper. Satisfy me with this. Let's pray. God, thank you for this, for it is big and it is enough. God, capture our minds and our attention. God, strengthen us by your spirit. May we not just believe that the only way to engage our world 
is by writing about it on social media, although that's not bad, but God, free us from the typical ways in which we respond. Strengthen us so that we do not be grow, grow weary. And God, I pray that we would be satisfied in this. We ask this all for your namesake. In the name of Jesus, amen. This is not a tag along. Please don't look at it that. This is kind of how I know that the mission has already been set and clear and big and God's and ours and enough. It's this meal right here. This is at the root and at the core of everything. And this is also the source that everything else comes from. This peace that we now have with God through Jesus Christ. This is the most important story what we have in Jesus. And so it is delight that we remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he said to his disciples after breaking the bread and giving them a piece, this is for you too, take it and eat. It's been offered to us, let us eat. And it has been offered to us, the cup, giving us peace with God through the blood of Jesus. Let us drink. To glorify God is to respond to him. And there's lots of ways that we can do that. But we will end our time this morning by singing great praise to his name. I know we're going a little bit late, but I want to sing all three of these songs. We're going a little bit late, but we're singing all three of these songs.